Author Spotlight. I'm Rachel Barenbaum, author of A Bend in the Stars, and today I'm here with the one and only incredible Anais Mitchell, and I'm so honored and thrilled that she's here to talk about her brand new book, Working on a Song. Anais, I absolutely loved Hades Town. Tell us, what is this book about? Thank you so much for having me. First, um, uh, yeah, the the book is called Working on a Song, the lyrics of Hadestown. And it's, um, it's basically, it includes all of the lyrics that are in the Hadestown musical, which is on Broadway, or was on Broadway while that was happening. Um, and then it also includes a lot of um, the early drafts of the, of the lyrics. And this is a show that was in development for, um, you know, uh, 12 or 13 years. So there's many, many, um, versions of things and sort of songs that never made it into even a, a workshop or a production. And I kind of, um, I wanted a home for all of those things. And so they found a home in this book. So I love that you put in all kinds of notes about how the songs and the lyrics changed along the way. How did you remember all of those changes? I had to do research. I mean, I had to like go back and, um, uh, go deep in my Word documents. <laughs> I reached out to like the stage manager in London and was like, hey, do you have the, you know, do you have the rehearsal script from London? And, um, and I found some stuff like written by hand in like a shoebox full of old lyrics and stuff like that. Um, and I, I couldn't include it all. You know, I actually had to make some tough choices about what to, you know, what was going to be useful in a, in a book um, that was, uh, I wanted it to be useful for people that might be um, fans of the show, but also like people who are um, are creative people that are thinking about the creative process and um, especially like people interested in writing a musical and um, extra especially people who are songwriters like myself who sort of come from the music world and then and then get like a crash course in what it is to write dramatic songwriting. You definitely gave the crash course on what it was to write because I felt like you just opened up your heart and got so personal about all of the rejections that you got and people telling you, right, that it's just not ready, keep going. Yeah. Um, why did you decide to do that and was it hard? Um, you know, I have a lot of like love for everyone who was involved in the process along the way. And there have been so many people. Um, uh, and a lot of times, you know, someone gives you the feedback in the moment. It's hard, it's hard to hear in the moment, but in the grand scheme, if you're looking back, it's like, oh yeah, I see, you know, I see why they were saying that. And um, I think the moment you're talking about is like this, there's this moment um, with the director of New York Theater Workshop, um, Jim Nicola. Uh, New York Theater Workshop is where the show started in, in New York when it was off Broadway. And um, Jim is this like, really intelligent and loving man and um he gave me so many little tidbits of wisdom that i sort of put into this book but there was this one moment where you know rachel chavkin and i um had been working doing workshops with um new york theater workshop hoping that they would give us a production and we sat down to this dinner with jim and um and he was like running late to the restaurant and i, I had started drinking wine <laughs> before he got there and um and we were all like ready for him to sit down and say like ready to go we're putting you in the schedule you know uh but he sat down and he was like the show is not ready and um he had a bunch of feedback about that and I was like I was like in my wine in my my wine space like you know 
very hot headed about it, but he, he said um, that he felt like the show really needed uh, more of a first act, more uh, material at the beginning to indicate a, a space of sort of um, joyful togetherness for our, our leading couple. Um, and, uh, you know, for people that know the show and the story, it's like at the end of the show, they're trying to return to that space. And so it was like very important that there be something joyful for them to return to, for us to imagine them returning to. And um, I was like, um, he, he had said that the show was missing a first act and I was like, absolutely not, but maybe I'll write, you know, a couple more songs to try to paint that picture. And then um, they turn out to be some of my favorite songs in the show. So it was, um, yeah, it was all, all part of the process. I loved it. And that's exactly what I was thinking of because also you went a step further in describing that. And you said that how uh, Rachel pulled you to the ladies room, right? To get you yeah. to try to take <laughs> a step back. And I so yeah. appreciated that detail. Just thank yeah. you for sharing that. I mean, oh, what sure. a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rachel's Rachel's great. I mean, we worked together for many years on the show and um, and she's very, you know, very encouraging, very, very smart and also like very tough love like that. And that was sort of what I needed, like um, for a, a project that was going to take this long was someone to be like, this is what this is what has to happen and not really. Um, uh, not back down if I was like, but I already, I already rewrote, rewrote that once or, you know, she was very, um, she, she was after it becoming the best version of itself that it could be. And obviously, you know, so were all of us that were working on it. So um, it was beautiful to have a, a cheerleader and a sort of a tough coach sometimes. Um, so the, the musical itself is absolutely gorgeous. And when you see it on Broadway, which hopefully lots of people will be able to see it again soon on Broadway. Yeah. It, so. You know, it's this polished, beautiful piece, but you really wrote about all of the iterations and the process and going through it. And every time I think about this book, I think she works so hard. She works so, so hard. And um, I just, it's so impressive. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much work it takes, right? Because you see the polished end product and you don't think mm -hmm. about the back end. So can you talk about, you know, how you included it and how you feel about working so hard? Yeah, yeah, um, totally. So, so the piece had this very long gestation. It was, um, it started out, um, for, just for people who don't know the backstory, um, I'm, I'm in Vermont right now, which is where I, like my homeland, my motherland is Vermont. And I was living in Vermont um, when I started to write these songs for Hadestown. And the first version of the show was this um, like DIY community theater project, which is like a bunch of friends. Um, there's an early director named Ben Matchstick, um, my a longtime collaborator, Michael Chorney, who's one of our two orchestrators. Um, and we put on the show in this very like um, it was just like all these friends coming together to do something fun in the middle of winter in Vermont. And um, it was like a very abstract version of the show. There's a lot less material back then, but, but, but very magical in its way. And then, um, and then I, I made an album of a lot of that music. Um, the show uh, went kind of into the music world and became just like an, an audio piece. Um, and we toured around um, playing the show at like as a concert with different guest singers. Um, fast forward like a few more years, I was living in New York, I met Rachel, I met the, um, the lead producers of the show and started to develop it further. 
Um, and so there were all these different milestones. Like there was the first show, there was the album, there was off Broadway, there was Edmonton, Canada, Alberta in the winter, <laughs> there was London, and then finally we landed on Broadway. And for each of those moments, you know, it was a sort of a moment of fruition and it felt like, ah, it's done for now. You know, I mean, that's what it felt like. And when we got to Broadway, it was the same. It's like, time's up, <laughs> like pencils down, you know, the time is up. And, um, and I would say that like, part of the, what writing this book gave me uh, a real sense of gratitude about is like that everything that I ever wrote for the show or that anyone who worked on the show ever worked, you know, created like any note of, of, of arrangement, any, any costume idea, any staging idea, like all of those things kind of exist underground in the sort of, in the sort of DNA of the show. Like you, what you see on the stage on Broadway is the, is the blooming, you know, flower to use like the metaphor of Haiti sound. But then underneath the ground, there's all these, you know, these attempts, these um, really, uh, you know, other ideas that are some good, some bad, for whatever reason, they're not visible or, or, or audible, but they're still part of the piece. And that really was helpful to me to see that like those wrong roads that you go down are not, it's not for nothing, you know, it's not futile. It's not like it was wrong, wrong, wrong until it was suddenly right. It was like, all of those wrong ideas kind of alchemically conspired to create the right idea. Um, so that's nice for me as a writer because I, I, I tend to be very slow as a songwriter. I'm writing, you know, other songs now and I'm always like, why does this take so long? Why did I go down this whole path writing that verse that I then didn't use? But that's part of it. It's part of, it's part of the process. So do you have advice for new writers, whether they're writing songs or books? Mm. Mm. Wow. I never think of myself as like the person to give advice because I feel like I made, you know, especially with this show, it was like such a circuitous route. Um, I would say there's a real, like, there's a dance. The whole process of creation for me has been a dance um, between the sort of following of the muse and the instinct, the unexplainable ideas, the mystery, you know, that you have to honor or else why do you put in the sweat? Why, why, why put in all that work? And then also like the very tough kind of um, relentless patient work that is bringing the thing to fruition. And, and both of those things for me have had to be present. Um, sometimes you can't always feel the muse when you're sitting there, at the, you know, at the desk. And, um, and sometimes that seems unfair, you know, so the muse will drop you a gift and you're like, how did that happen so easily? And now like, and I can't access that anymore, but that is just how it is. That's just what it is. And also I'd say a dance between like me and my instincts and then all of my collaborators, because there've been so many of them and wanting to, um, you can't make a musical without a lot of other people. And so trying to sort of um, bring together the instincts of a lot of different people, um, that has been a very, uh, a ton of learning and, um, and also just like a very humbling 
and beautiful experience. So you talk a lot about songwriting being uh, akin to storytelling, that it is storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm curious in Hadestown, is each song an individual story? Sort of how do you see that fitting together? Because there is the overarching, right, overarching arc of the narrative, but there are mm -hmm. twists in each song. So how did you, how did you think about that? Yeah, well, this was a big part of my process of learning, too, because I come from music world where, you know, uh, it's all about the three and a half minute tight little package of a song. And I think of those songs um, as like they're circular, that, you know, they have a chorus that you come back to the, uh, again and again, and it's like your home base. There's a shape to that kind of song. Um, and that's beautiful, but it's not enough for dramatic storytelling. Like with drama, you really... Um, the audience wants there to be results and revelations at the end of the song. Like we need to land in a place that is different than the one we began in. It's like a little journey. It's a lot, it's a line. And so there's that shape and trying to like hold those things together. And, but I think that we crave both of those things from music theater. You know, I was thinking about this earlier, like you do crave that elevation of stakes and the sense of like, what's going to happen next. And, you know, these uh, characters are changing and where will we land? But you also crave the kind of symmetry that we, that we love in music, you know? I mean, that's just like great song uh, has a hook usually, and it brings you back around to it. And so the process of Hadestown was really, um, I think a lot of the songs were very circular at first like um a song like wedding song for example would be you know it was a little three minute song and it had it had three verses and uh and a chorus sort of does it have a chorus i can't even <laughs> it has like a um a sort of motif that recurs um and i kind of didn't want to mess with it at first because i was like oh that's you know structurally that's a perfect song like i wouldn't mess with that but then it became very clear that for dr for drama it just wasn't enough it just wasn't enough. Like we needed to feel a progression. And so this was something that Rachel encouraged me to do for years was to get in there and write oftentimes intros um, or outros or interludes in the middle of a song where um, there would be uh, the insertion of new information uh, so, or maybe like a camera shift, you know, to like, this is what's happening over here or, um, so in Wedding Song, for example, it has, it now has come home with me, this long like recitative um, intro scene, which sort of sets up the, the stakes of Wedding Song. And then in the middle of the song, there's this, um, this sort of back and forth banter between Orpheus and Eurydice where she sort of tests him, you know, and says, show me how, you know, show me what you can do with this magical song that you're talking about. And he does, he, there's a test that he can kind of, he can, um, he can win right in front of her and right in front of the eyes of the audience. So um, he sings his epic melody and it, and it has a magical result in the world. And then by the time we got to the end of Wedding Song, it was like, oh, something has changed. You know, he's convinced her of something. He's convinced us of something. They're not the same characters that they were at the beginning of the song. And that was like a very tricky thing to learn. Um, but I, I went through that process with like almost every song in the show. I love how um, you talk about all of, in writing, we call them your darlings, which are the pieces of the book, right, that you chop off because they just don't fit, but you, you mm -hmm. love them. So it's very hard to let go. Yeah. Is there a darling that you chopped off that you missed, mm. that you wish you had found a way to keep in the show? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's more than one. <laughs> but uh, 
there was always in the second act there's a song called chant two um which is a reprise of chant one and it's like um it's basically for many many years it was this conversation between hades and persephone um the the, the immortal gods this sort of older couple in our love story who um they have this troubled marriage and it's the reason that that things are wrong in the world um and there was always a, a verse in that song that was dedicated to that was persephone's verse um and it changed many times um over the years uh and I really loved the final version that I wrote of it. Um, I wonder if I can remember it. Should I try to say the words? Yes. <laughs> or, oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Because the thing is that it, it ended up getting cut because our, our second act has always been too long. Like, it was always an issue that the second act was too long. And it just was, like, imperative that at the end of the story, we still had energy. We still had energy for the tragedy that happens at the end of the story and for the denouement of that. And, and if we, we just like sort of meandered too much in the second act, it just it stole the thunder from that. And that this was one, this was one place where it felt like, oh, this verse could go and it wouldn't change the story, you know, even though like we changed the poetry. <laughs> um, but okay, so it went, so she was like, when I was a young girl like you, um, uh the underworld oh my gosh actually i might have to find the book and look at it can i do that can you edit this or no no yeah. yes we can edit it this is amazing okay. let me find like a it. dream okay, let me... yeah okay yeah. one sec okay i'm back <laughs> are you ready i'm ready all right okay so it went like this and basically like i wrote this for broadway and we and we, we did it like right into broadway previews like some people who came to the show might have seen it and then it ended up cutting it so it goes when i was a young girl like you this old world was younger too we said it's spinning hand in hand me and a young man now you see what he's become hades with his heart of stone i forgot what true love was and then i heard your orpheus take it from a woman of my age there's nothing love can't change even where the bricks are stacked, love is blooming through the cracks. Even when the light is gone, love is reaching for the sun. It was love that spun the world when I was a young girl. <laughs> wow. So that's a, yeah, I, I always love that, but, it, but it, it, it had to go. But it has a home in the books. So it's all right. It's the other poetry. thing that I think always felt like the, the one that I could never feel settled with, and I think this is probably just the nature of the song but there are these songs called the epics that orpheus sings and there's there's three of them at times there were four at times there were two but um they're this like long sort of ranging narrative like ballad that he sings about hades and persephone and their love and what has gone wrong with the world and um that was probably the the song like epic three the song that like most like destroyed my emotional health <laughs> during the making of Hades Town. Like I, um, you know, I just had a really hard time figuring out how to make it do what I wanted it to do. Um, and it's an important song. I mean, it's the song that he confronts Hades with. And it's, you know, the song that softens Hades' heart just enough that he um, allows Orpheus to, to make the attempt to leave the underworld with Eurydice. Thank you so much for singing. You do so much promotion for this, you know, for your music, for the show, now for the book. Do you ever get tired of it and just want to get back to writing or do you enjoy it? 
Interesting. You know, I feel like there's a beautiful, I was thinking about this today, that there's a beautiful process with making art where you kind of go into the underworld, not to, <laughs> you know, use that metaphor to death, but oh my gosh, to death. Um, you go in there and like the creative work is so different. It's really, nobody sees that. I mean, you know what that's like. It's, um, and they can't. And when you're in that moment of creation, there's nobody there being like, this is great. This is going to be great. You know, it's like your demons going, this is terrible. <laughs> what are you doing? And so it's nice to have a balance of like that you've gone in there and then you've hopefully you've grabbed something out of there and you then bring it into the light and you're able to maybe like, maybe like you put, you put on some makeup and you're like, Hey, I made a thing. You know, I think there's, there's definitely like, there's a nice push and pull there, but I really do think it's easy to go too far with the promotion of, of things. And especially in this day and age with like, uh, social media, it's easy for people to feel like they always need to be, um, uh, talking about, I just feel like there's, le there's less space to go in the cave. Um, but if you don't go in the cave, it's really no fun to, um, to be in the public. To be I love that so, idea of being in the cave, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Out. Yeah. I guess what I wanted to say is that it's like, it feels there's like there's a lot of pressure to create content for the sake of creating content and like but really you know you want to go you want to go all the way with the creative stuff you want to go deep and be able to bring something of value to the world and so i think like it is really important for all of us as artists to um really defend the space to to be private I love so that. i'm a little like uh uh, superstitious about it too. Like when I'm working on something, I don't know, some people will, will, they'll, they'll post like a picture of themselves in the studio or like at the writing desk. Uh, I always feel nervous about that. I don't know why. It's like, I don't want to, uh, spill the sap before it has had a chance to cook down <laughs> into the, you know, the syrup. I love that since you're in Vermont. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talking yeah. about this app. Here. Yeah. Um, so there is one more question that I wanted to ask you, but it's not necessarily a part of the book itself. I saw an interview where you said that your songs often start in sadness and then you start writing them and they turn, they take on sort of a body of themselves and they become something else at the end. Is that still true to your songs and ideas? Are they still well, starting there? Like, I wonder when I said that. That's really interesting. It was a really old interview. And yeah. I, I was watching it because, you know, I love to see it. I wanted to ask about changes because you, you just work so hard and you've changed in so many ways. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so I was wondering if you still do that. Yeah. Well, I love sad songs. I always have. There's something about it, you know uh sad songs make me happy you know it's like I, I love to listen to them i never listen to an album and go like oh i wish they had some more up-tempo numbers on there but i wouldn't say that that's the like primary place that my stuff comes from these days i think often the emotion has to be complex it has to be complex enough sort of mysterious enough that there's something to explore there um 
Yeah. And I really love the process. Actually, this is something that I'm just getting back to because with Hadestown, you know, for years, it, it, it really was a process of, um, there were tasks, there were dramaturgical tasks that had to be completed. You know, it's like, well, this character, this is, this part of the story is missing or like, this aspect of the transformation of this character or their arc is, is missing. And we, uh, you know, I need to write a song that's gonna fill that hole. And it's really been fascinating right now to be writing some songs just like regular, like songwriter songs where I don't know what the song is. And I start it and it always, without fail, becomes something different than I thought it was gonna be, you know? Uh, that is a really, um, mystical process and I'm, and I'm grateful for it. Anais, thank you so, so much for your time. I'm a huge fan and I can't wait to hear whatever is coming next. May you sell many, many copies of your brand new book. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks for having me.